Good morning. Again. Uh, again, I'd like to extend uh, a really heartfelt welcome to all of our alums. We're so grateful that hopefully it feels like you are back home on the mountain. Uh, yeah, right? Um, and, and I trust that even as you're sitting in chapel, maybe even as you're walking up to chapel, that uh, uh, memories started popping, right? Uh, remembering what it was like uh, maybe a year ago or maybe 50 years ago when you were walking that same path. I guess 50 years ago you wouldn't have been walking into this chapel, huh? Um, but I hope that the memories are, are fond and um, are, are blessings. Uh, today we are going to remember, uh, and it's fitting and it's good and right to remember because our God is a remembering God. Uh, throughout all of scripture, um, God remembers his covenants. He remembers the covenants that he made with Noah, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David. And when you go through scripture and you read, God is often want to say, he remembers his covenant. I have remembered my covenant with Abraham. I have remembered my covenant with Isaac. I've remembered my covenant with Jacob. He's a remembering God. And he doesn't just remember his covenants, he remembers his people. He remembers Noah, he remembers Abraham, he remembers Moses, he remembers Rachel. We've been reading 1 Samuel uh, in our public reading of scripture on the overlook, um, and, and God remembers Hannah, Elkanah's wife, when she gives birth to Samuel. And then Jesus, God incarnate, our savior, he remembers the woman at the well. He remembers the blind and the deaf and the dumb and the mute and the demon possessed. He remembers the thief on the cross and he calls us to be a remembering people. We're called to remember God's covenant faithfulness to all generations. We're called to remember God's promises because the one who makes the promises is the faithful covenant maker and holder um, we are called to remember his love for us that is made perfect in Jesus's life and death and resurrection. We are called to be a remembering people. Um, but a very sweet thing and perhaps unexpected is that God also calls us to remember other people, right? Few things I think have the same ability to elicit um, smiles, laughter, and tears than when we remember people that we love. Whether it's remembering something that happened a week ago with a best friend or something that perhaps happened 50 years ago with somebody that is still etched deeply into our minds. Uh, I've been reading Marilyn Robinson's Gilead and Gilead is a book of remembering. Um, Pastor John Ames is 76 years old, um, unexpectedly married and he unexpectedly has a seven-year-old son and he's writing him a letter and in this letter, he's telling him all sorts of things about his life that John Ames is remembering. But one of the things that he tells him is, son, I wish you could know old Bowton like I know him, like I remember him. The way you're gonna remember him is an old man with, with hands that are all bone and knuckle, full of arthritis and a bit cantankerous, which is right because of the pain that he's constantly in. But oh, I wish you could remember the Bowton that I remember. He was the finest preacher I've ever heard, filled with a, a judgment and a wisdom. I wish you could have known that man. So this young son that I love, I wish you could 
know the man that I love and remember. And we hear that and we get this deep sense when we remember. It often comes with a deep sense of longing, right? That heart tug that longs to either be with that person or to be in the sweetness that once was. But then there's also, coupled with that and tied to it, this wonderful, amazing sense of celebration, right? We get to celebrate the people that we love. We celebrate the people that we remember. In, in Hebrews 11, we get this beautiful picture, right? The cloud of witnesses, where you go through and if you look at the lives of all of these people, there's some, there's some turkeys in there. But we remember them because of what the living God did in and through them. And so we look around us, right? And praise God that we get to sit right now in the midst of a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Some sitting here, many who have departed to go and be with the Lord, but we have those memories, those memories that conjure up longing and that conjure up celebration. And today that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember and we are going to celebrate. Uh, in a moment, President Boyles is going to come up and he's going to um, extend three awards to three um, people that the college dearly loves and that the college wishes everyone in this room could know like they are known so deeply by the people that love them. So let us pray and President Boyles will come up. Lord, thank you for the great cloud of witnesses that have been poured forth from the Covenant College cistern. Some do sit in our midst today Many have departed and have gone to be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your love for us. You are faithful covenant God. We give you all thanks and praise in the powerful name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pour a little in there. Right, good morning. As interim president, it's my privilege to get to give these awards this morning. So I want to add my welcome to students, staff, and faculty, and welcome back to our alumni. We're so glad that you're here, and I'm just very thankful for Ralph Kelly and his team and Karen Levingen for all their work that they put into creating, a, I think, a really special event this weekend. So I hope everyone will take advantage of all that's planned. So as Grant mentioned, this is a, a unique year for us. Normally, we give one award, either to an individual or to a couple, covenant grads that exemplify the mission. This year we do get to give three, and the reason for that is two of them will be posthumous. These are two folks who have celebrated their home going, and we want to honor their lives. And so without further ado, I am delighted to present the first Iron Thistle Award to Harry Reeder, the class of 1974. Harry's not here. He is looking into the face of Jesus in his eternal home. However, I'd like to invite his wife, Cindy, and their three children, Jennifer, Ike, and Abigail, to receive the award on his behalf.
a little bit about Reverend Dr. Harry Lloyd Reader III, who usually just went by Pastor Harry. He most recently served as the senior pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church, which is where the PCA denomination was founded in 1973 in Birmingham. Harry had accepted the call to ministry at 23 years of age and transferred to Covenant after having played baseball at East Carolina University. Harry said that at Covenant, he realized for the first time that his head was for more than a baseball cap and was ignited with a passion for sound, reformed theology. Harry pastored many churches, one of which had fewer than 40 members, but grew to 3,000 during Harry's pastorship. Harry was also a lecturer, a council member, adjunct faculty member, conference speaker, radio and podcast host, and author of several books, including From Embers to Flame, which turned into a conference about revitalization of the church, a topic that he was truly passionate about. However, he considered his church community to be his highest calling, stating, I can preach through books, blogs, or radio programs, but I pastor this church by being a part of this community. Ike Reeder describes his father as gracefully holding attention and balance as a husband, father, and pastor. Harry realized that the calling to be a pastor was a whole life calling and truly lived out the gospel. Quote, it was my parents' commitment to obedience and the faithfulness of my father that showed me the importance of a genuine walk with the Lord, states Ike. In his last chapel talk here, Harry spoke to covenant students saying, I'm praying that most of all, you will develop a mind for Christ, having been granted a heart for Christ, manifested in a life for Christ. Harry Reader lived a life manifested for Christ. May it be that we all do the same. Thank you all very much. <clears throat> The second Iron Thistle Award is being presented to Nathaniel Nat Bells, class of 1975, who left this earth for his heavenly home after a five-month battle with cancer earlier this year. I'd like to invite his wife, Mindy, and their daughter, Naomi Schindler, and their son, Drew Bells, to come to the stage to accept this award. Nat Bells was creative, curious, and Christ-like in the way that he engaged with the world around him. He stewarded God's gifts as an editor, writer, and designer, as well as a board member for the Chalmers Center. He showed love for his communities and family through gathering people and listening, constantly asking questions about others' interests. To share his wonder, specifically with young people, Nat founded the children's magazine, Explore, which focused on discovery that sparked imagination. Nat also worked alongside his brother, Joel Bells, as a designer for World Magazine. Joel admired his brother's gifts, saying Nat's work, whether in imagination, curiosity, or wonder, capsulized his worldview. His impulses led to observing, studying, 
and explaining creation, and then in turn, praising the Creator. His creativity was also seen in his home as he was a great storyteller and could often be found enthusiastically telling Bible stories to his kids and later his grandkids. He was also very musical and would lead his family in singing hymns. Nat's daughter Naomi says, Dad had a very gentle presence and led in quiet ways, often content to step back from any spotlight and serve others unnoticed. As a member of a PCA church and an elder for many years, Nat not only faithfully attended church, but he led his family to be faithful as well. He also valued Christian education and was very involved in his children's education, first at Asheville Christian School, where he served as a board member, and later at Covenant College, a community he always cared about deeply. Naomi says, Dad lived life with wonder, the green grass and the blue sky Everything made him glow with praise for the Creator. To quote Nat himself, I'm sparkling with the wonder of it all. Let us, like Nat Bells, not forget to live a life of praise to our Creator. Let's bring it up. Finally, today, we honor our third 2023 Iron Thistle Award winner. This recipient is Matthew Novenson of the class of 2001. Matthew is teaching in Scotland currently and is unable to be with us, but we are joined by his sister, Ellie Henry, Henry and, her bro and his, his brother, Andrew Novenson. Glad for them to come up on stage and accept the award on his behalf. Congratulations. Thank you for being here. After graduating from Covenant with degrees in Biblical and Theological Studies and Philosophy, Dr. Matthew Novenson completed a master's at the Covenant Theological Seminary, then obtained his PhD in New Testament from Princeton Theological Seminary. Soon after, Matthew was hired as lecturer at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, where he is now professor of Biblical Criticism and Biblical Antiquities and director of the Center for the Study of Christian Origins. He has accomplished extensive research and writing on the New Testament, publishing several books, most recently Paul, Then and Now. Dr. Bill Davis, Covenant Philosophy Professor says, Matt has established himself as an expert on early messianic thought and Paul's abiding commitment to the truth of the Old Testament. Because his scholarship is recognized by both believers and unbelievers, including receiving the 2018 Thomas Reed Medal from the Royal Society of Edinburgh, Matthew's voice is sought out by scholars seeking to understand early Christian thought. As a result, wider audiences today hear from someone who not only knows what Paul believed, but who also believes it himself. Matthew credits his studies at Covenant for first sparking his interest and his professors for fanning the flame. Additionally, both he and his wife Michelle, a 1999 Covenant grad, believe that the ideas of formation of the whole person at Covenant continue to impact them today. The Novensons enjoy being involved in St. Paul's and St. George Scottish Episcopal Church, where Matthew is a vestry member and he and Michelle teach Sunday school, while their three boys attend the youth group. <clears throat> Although I am a lay Christian 
as in I am not ordained, says Matthew. I, just like my covenant classmates who studied software engineering, have answered the call to serve God and serve the world in my vocation. May we all be reminded of that share calling today. Thank you. <clears throat> Just about a month ago, we celebrated convocation. And students, you may or may not remember this, but I encouraged you at that point to look around, to see all your faculty before you, to notice all your staff around you, and to look at all your peers beside you, to remind you that you are not alone. Well, this weekend, hundreds of alumni are coming home. And I encourage you to look around, to recognize that you are part of a larger story of God's relentless faithfulness to this institution now for 69 years. Nobody knows what you're going through right now like they do. They've sat in this room, most of them. They've attended classes and sat where you sit. They've slept where some of you have slept. They've eaten where you eat. Long before there were burrito bowls and crepe stations and premium entrees. But what they had and what I believe you have is a pioneering attitude to come to a small college on top of a mountain in northwest Georgia, to eschew larger, more established institutions to come because of the, external, the, the eternal value of an education that focuses primarily on exploring and expressing the preeminence of Jesus Christ in all things. That is the common DNA that links student to student, generation to generation here. This weekend, we get to celebrate, in particular, the class of 1973 as they celebrate their 50th anniversary. Let's congratulate them. If you want to talk about taking a risk and having a pioneering attitude, how about coming to a college before it's accredited? I told this story to the new students during orientation, but realized returning students hadn't heard it, and maybe alumni would like to hear it as well. One of the opportunities I've had this summer in uh, this role of interim president is to discover some, some books and some writings from former presidents. And, uh, president Mary ba Marion Barnes wrote his reflections on his time here as the second president. And uh, in his book, he tells the story of the battle to get accreditation. Now, if you don't know what accreditation is, it's effectively you want to be gaining credibility in the eyes of the industry of higher education, in the eyes of your peer institutions. When you're accredited, you gain access to more loans and scholarships. You're more easily accepted into graduate programs and other things. So there's a, there's a goal to that, and that was the goal that was set. We moved onto this campus here on the mountain in 1964. 
1965, he set about doing that work, and with his whole team in place, they began to work on that. Now, jump to present day. Students, you know that the doxology has come to have a special meaning to us. We end every chapel service with that. This sweet tradition has developed where you put your arms around another and we sing our praises to the Lord. But covenant's connection to the doxology goes back many, many years. So after several years of working towards this goal, you had to add a certain number of volumes in your library. You had to make sure you had enough lab equipment. You had to demonstrate a financial stability. It was a lot of work. Faculty, staff, students, blood, sweat, tears, and prayers to try to get to this point to be accredited. So the work had been done, the paperwork submitted, and in December of 1971, President Barnes and his chief academic officer got on the plane and flew to Miami, Florida for the annual meeting of accreditation. They sat through the first day and heard nothing, and then on the second day, as the moderator read through the list of schools who had received accreditation, Covenant College was named. They were so enthralled, they were so joyous, they hopped out, headed back to the airport, and before they got on the plane in Miami, got on a payphone, you know what that is exactly, money in, and, and, and President Barnes calls back to the college and says, we did it, we're accredited. So gets on the plane, flies Miami to Atlanta, Atlanta to Chattanooga, arrives late at night, it's December, he descends the plane and there's a hundred students on the tarmac singing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. He recounts that tears start to stream down his eyes. Just the weight of what had happened and the goodness of the Lord to the institution. What happened a couple months later is he runs into Spencer McCauley, who was the headmaster at the McCauley School in Chattanooga. And Spencer said, Marion, I was on that plane that night and I'll never forget that. That was one of the most thrilling moments of my life to come down that plane and see those students singing praises to the Lord for what had happened. So there's a history here with that song. And so I, I invite the musicians to come forward and we will wrap up our time by singing this doxology yet again because it's good to be reminded of the great faithfulness of our God to this institution. So let us lift up our voices in praise and thanksgiving. <clears throat> 